Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Michael Grothy. Hello. Ben's not here today because he's at Blaine's, Blaine's Retailers. It's in the middle of the country somewhere. If you like Blaine's, give him a shout out. Tell him to buy your cast products. Uh, we are talking about a bunch of new magic content. We're a Master Modern Podcast. Uh, we are going to be talking about all the... There's just been a bunch of announcements today and yesterday. Yeah, it was a really big big day for announcements. They moved announcement day to today. It's a little weird because like in the middle of them hyping me getting hyped for Eldraine, I'm now hyped about return to zendikar and yeah i was watching the preview stream and it started off with like them slowly like baking gingerbread cookies and frosting them with a timer and then when the timer ran out then it was like jimmy and mark rosewater and cynthia shepherd who was like the world building lead and then they like talked about eldraine and then in the middle of them talking about eldraine they're like oh yeah by the way we're going back to theros and zendikar and there's a new plane and Core twenty twenty is uh, core twenty twenty one is about to ferry, and it's like, whoa, slow down, guys! And then at the end of the preview stream, they're like, by the way, you can play Brawl on Arena right now. Right. <laughs> so yeah. it was a lot. So a lot <laughs> happened. Now technically, previews don't start till next week. In fact, tune in Monday uh, morning because our preview episode comes out then. We won't. is it a spicy one? It's spicy. There's spice. I'm excited. I'm excited for the I guess spice. now spice actually could mean anything. Uh, it, that spiciness was not a reference to rules mechanics. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> or was it? We don't know. We don't know. You don't know. I know. But we can't confirm or deny either of those things. Uh, we can't confirm or deny the literal spiciness yes, of the yes, card. But in a figurative sense, yes, it's a it is spicy spicy one. in the like internet terminology. Like spice emoji. Like, But not necessarily. Like It's not a spiced pie which can now exist in magic. So speaking of which, or today we're going to be going over the different mechanics that we now know are in Throne of Eldraine. And I think we know all the mechanics, right? Yeah, they did the yes. mechanics article. They, they did the mechanics article. article. So, so we know what mechanics are included. We're going to be going all over those. We're going to go over some of the preview cards that have been released that we're excited about. There's some Planeswalkers. There's a return of a big Shrek-esque Planeswalker that we've been missing for a long time. Uh, we have lots of memes to talk about. We also have all the new sets to talk about. We began some of that. And in the meantime, I'm going to do some shout-outs. Time to shout-out. Uh, first one, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am at Kess Wiley. Uh, I'm at Dudard, D-U-D-A-R-D-D. It's two Ds in the end, not in the middle, which I mess up sometimes. And I am... A total, uh, of, total of four Ds. Yeah. Maximum D's. No, there could be one more D. And then uh, don't D, forget D D A R D D. Don't do that. <laughs> and then we are at the MM Cast, the podcast. Make sure to follow Ben uh, at Ben Bateman Media. Marshall, follow me at Marsh Unfocused. Cool. Uh, make sure to also subscribe on the YouTube channel. If you're on YouTube right now, hit the like button. Also the subscribe button. But the like button apparently is really important now. We're learning things as we go. Like, YouTube channel, subscribe, hit the bell. All those things. But like first and comment your uh, which what food you hope you get to see on a we also uh, do we also do like. um hitting the bell is important because we do live streams and we try and announce them ahead of time but sometimes it's relatively short notice if you have the youtube notifications on then you'll be able to know when we do a live stream yeah, which is a useful reason to press that button and right. not just to help we're gonna try and do live streams more often it's just schedules and the well, practicality of doing it live some of the practicality of doing it live also technology has gotten better and it is now a little bit easier for us than it 
excuse me, used to be. Um, so expect more live things. But yeah, until we have a regular schedule down for live things, uh, hit the bell and then you'll get notified. Can I live stream cooking food now? Is that now magic related enough for YouTube since food is now a thing? As long as you gain three life after you cook it. Well, I have to eat it too. I have to pay two mana. Well, you just have to sacrifice it. And pay two mana. Technically, if you threw it away and pay two mana, you still gain three life. But you have to pay two mana. I really appreciate that there's an egg in this set that is an egg. It's we saw so a dropped egg uh, at Ralph's just on the floor. And I was, took a picture. Well, like, the egg, so the golden egg, it like has the food ability because it's food, but it also kind of has a treasure ability. And right? it actually kind of has a clue ability also. I mean, it's basically. It, it cantrips when you play it. You can sacrifice it for mana and it's also I food. Just, I just love that. That the those types of artifacts that can be sacrificed for mana and replace themselves by drawing a card have always been called eggs because of the egg cycle from Odyssey, and now we finally have an one again that is an egg. It's well, yeah, they were originally great. eggs. It's the right. purest egg, right? It was like dark water egg and stuff. Yeah, yeah, the purest form of an egg. So this, hopefully, the card was showing on the video version. For those who don't know, there's a new card for I think two mana in Ender's yeah. Play. You draw a card, then you can pay one mana, sacrifice it to create a mana of any color. Or you can pay two mana, sacrifice it to gain three life. So it, and has, it is a food. It's an artifact food, so which is a new artifact type. New artifact types. Let's do that now. We'll talk about Patreon later, but donate to it. Uh, you could be the 69th patron. We're That's at 68 true. right now. You could be 69. This Seize is your, your destiny. Be our 69th patron. And then we need to also get to 420 after that. It's really, there's a lot that has to happen. Uh, 187, you know. What? 187. 187? 187 is Uh-oh. the cop code for murder, but also 187 has been magic slang for creatures with enter the battlefield abilities. Yeah, that's true. When that was new technology in Mirage, they referred to those as 187 creatures, like Uktabi Orangutan and Manowar. Necrotal. Mm. Necrotal. Those, those three were the original pantheon of 187 creatures. Okay. Magic lesson for all of you guys. All right. So let's talk about food. So there's a mechanical food. Uh, really, it's a token type that a bunch of things make and use. Food are like clue tokens or treasure tokens. Previously, uh, the Planeswalker that was first previewed literally just had plus two food, make one. Yeah, and create one food. didn't explain food, what it was. comma, make one. <laughs> uh, and was really excited about it. They do the most obvious thing. I think like right now, the main thing missing from these like token mechanics is damage right we don't have like a bot we have bot landmines somewhere there's a yeah, the goblin. landmine goblin yeah he but they just did damage to a creature it was so like whenever bad. a creature attacked you you like flipped a coin and if you got heads then you dealt two damage to it or something yeah like i could that. see in the in the future they could have something that's like an exploding potion or something it's a potion token like or something. bomb tokens right just like right. three damage blow thing up but food exists it's great um but yeah so it it's a, it's a token flavor. Did we say what it does? It's you pay two and tap it, sacrifice, gain three life. Yes, it is the. That's most... what food does. So when something makes a food token, it makes that. Uh, we've seen a few cards that make food tokens. The one that's probably most relevant for modern is Oko the Planeswalker, uh, which is a three mana Planeswalker. Costs one green blue. Let's see if I can do this from memory because I'm not looking at a screen. Uh, it's <laughs> it's got plus two, create a food token. Then it's got minus one, plus one, plus one. Plus one that's yeah. right. Yeah. It's nuts. Plus one target permanent. Target non-land permanent becomes nope. a target artifact or creature. Target okay. artifact or creature becomes a three-three elk with no abilities, uh, and that's permanent. So you can do it to your opponent's permanents to make them worse. You can do it to your food that you just made to make it better. Um, and then his ultimate is at five, and minus it's five. minus five. 
It's uh, yeah, plus five. Uh, it's <laughs> minus five. Walkers are weird now. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's minus five. You can exchange control of a permanent you control artifact or creature you control. Artifact or creature you control with a creature and opponent controlled with power three or less. So you can take their small creatures. So the reason this is modern relevant is because the three mana planeswalker. Also, it's four loyalty. So so something relevant on that I is said that four loyalty at the beginning. Did you? Okay, so it can plus two the turn you play it play a food. And then minus the next turn, the planeswalker would stay alive, and you get to exchange that food for something. Right. So you can make a three-three if you want to put pressure on your opponent, and they're not doing anything relevant. Or, or you can steal their, or protect your planeswalker, or you can steal one of their creatures and give them this food that's basically worthless because it just you have to pay two mana to gain three life, which is terrible. Yeah. And so you're playing this in a deck where you don't necessarily care about your opponent's life total. Like this would be a bad card in a burn deck. Assuming you could make the mana work because rug burn, you you don't <laughs> you want your opponent burn. to have. You could do like a delver with like a like a like a kiln fiend brug, right? That's like kind of sure, but you don't care about like kiln fiend doesn't gonna, care about your opponent's life total. And you're not going to play <laughs> Oko in that deck. That's true as well. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, it's a three mana planeswalker. You can play it on turn two off of a Birds of Paradise or something. It doesn't really or do goose. much the turn you play it or uh, noble hierarch. But or the fact that it pluses up to. So you can also play this goose. It's a new card. It's... We'll talk about that in a second, but let's keep talking about Oko. Yeah. There's a lot to say there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It... I derailed Michael. Uh, so basically, things to be aware of is it does let you put threat on your opponent. It's a three-mana thing that comes down with and then pluses to six loyalty. So it's like very difficult to kind of murder this character. Uh, like when you look at powerful three mana walkers previously, a lot of the ones that you know sometimes go under the radar are ones that come down and then are really hard to deal with. And jumping up to f- six loyalty, the turn it comes into play is really hard to deal with. The one thing to definitely pay attention to also is that food life gain is bad when the only thing you're doing is life gain. Life gain isn't bad when accidentally this thing that's doing powerful things also gains you life. It's a reason that's life true. link is such a powerful mechanic because it's doing damage, it's causing things, and you're just happening to like run away from your opponent being able to kill you. So the fact that this is going to do things like, you know, get rid of creature abilities that you're afraid of or artifact abilities you don't want to deal with, uh, create creatures that can start putting pressure on your opponent as three threes, and eventually maybe even steal like their Stoneforge Mister. It steals the Batterspall germ token, right? Because it's a no, it's, four, t- four. it's toughness. It's toughness. Uh, steal things like art. It's power three or less. You steal a artifact or cre- or just creature three or less. Pa- like creature with a power three or less. Okay, so stealing somewhat relevant creatures in modern, there are a bunch of ones with power can, three or less. I mean, you can. It's cool that you can just like steal a thing in the ice or steal an Arclight Phoenix. Right. Or... Also, if you have a blocker, you can turn one of their things into an elk and then steal the elk. Correct. Yes. Like if they have a creature that's threatening, like they have a four or five Tarmogoyf or something, and you have an X4 creature, I don't know, maybe you have your own Tarmogoyf, and you're like, I'm just going to turn that into a 3-3. It can't profitably attack now, but then I can just steal it the next turn. Right. So so it, it has that ability. And in the meantime, you're making a bunch of food, and then once you have enough mana, you can just start spending it to gain life, putting you out of damage range. Right. So yeah, I was saying that like the, the food isn't rele- relevant when you give it to your opponent, because chances are you're playing in this in a deck where you do not care much about your opponent's life total, but your opponent might be playing a deck where they do care about your life total. Right. And there's a lot of games where you find you're up against burn, you expend all your resources, and you're down to like six life. And then they like top deck a couple bolts in a row, and you're dead. And with these cards, like you can then start gaining the life back slowly uh, after you stabilize, uh, and then you don't die. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot about how one. I mean, this this guy seems really good against burn, obviously, because he's just making 
counters to lightning bolts and lava spikes every turn. Right. And he himself will eat two lava sp- or two lava spikes or two lightning bolts to die. But a thing I'm also really excited about Oko is in a snow deck because he's in the right colors to play uh, the Quaddle, who's already great. But going like being able to turn your Arkham's Astrolabes into th- you know three threes when you don't need the mana washing anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like super. You can relevant. trade an Astrolabe for something too. Instead right. of a food, yep. right? Like an astrolabe is another irrelevant permanent that works well with Oko. And and I do think, you know, this is something we're going to get really into as part of the conversation. And it's something we're seeing here is because Arena is now such a big part of Magic and because one of the most played versions of Arena is Best of One to the extent that we consider doing a podcast just about Best of One Magic games, the cards that wizards and the mechanics wizards seems to be focusing on moving forward definitely seem to be cards that like you know you don't have cyborgs in best of one you don't have the option to be like oh i need something to hate artifacts or i need life gain to fight against um burn decks or aggressive decks there's going to be more cards being printed that are more versatile with a little bit lower like basic power level like charms etc and you've seen that kind of everywhere where they've realized that these are the type of things that are really cool they can do a lot of them so this is a card that's just inherently powerful but then also is accidentally a sideboard card right but you can main deck this sideboard card so yeah i I mean it's not quite effective enough of a bullet to be in your sideboard like it's not like a total burn hate card like cerulean drake or something with protection from red it's like it's more of a card that you play main deck that shores up your burn matchup, Correct. but does other things. And, and and I think that's healthier often for gameplay against those types of decks, right? When you have like a way to just like mediocrely deal with dredge in your main deck in game one, that makes that gameplay more fun, right? One of the reasons yeah, than just boarding into rest in peace and hoping you draw it, and then with games where you draw it, you win. Games where you don't draw it, you lose. Which right. is what a lot of people's big complaint about modern is that there are these incredibly powerful sideboard cards that just make things so lopsided that like every game is just a slaughter. Well, and then on top of that, you also have the issue that you have a lot of just decks that are out there that are so linear that need very specific hate to be able to fight and like no hate has really existed most of the pa- in the past like graveyard has just been like this is really good against graveyards it's bad otherwise don't play it unless you have to kill a graveyard now they're leaning towards oh this card is decent in the main deck and is a card you would play plus burn has a worse matchup yeah and plus, like the, you like, can interact with the graveyard a little scavenging bit scavenging is a great card for like Correct. this right where it's like totally main deckable and it does a lot even if you're not playing against a deck that cares about your life total or a deck that's using their graveyard but the fact that you can eat up somebody's graveyard and the fact that you can gain a little bit of extra life both like you know create some gameplay decisions in game one that aren't just like, ah, yes, I folded to dredge because I'm playing a mid-range deck. <laughs> right. The format of I lose game one because I'm playing a combo deck that I don't have the right answers for, and then I win game two and three because I got the right hate for it, then I drew it, is not as fun as, oh, my deck just naturally interacts with this deck strategy, and that deck strategy is built to be able to deal with people interacting with it, and so we're having games that uh, my decisions and their decisions affect who wins and that's kind of what you want for magic and why i mean we are going to have conversations in general forever probably hopefully about how stoneforge mystic and ren and six being these very powerful ubiquitous cards have been added to modern but i think for a net positive because now more interaction is happening these are things that stuff is happening in play it's not a oh i cheated an eight eight trample in the play on turn two you don't deal with it i will say that that Renin 6 in particular pushes out a lot of X1 creatures. Not that I think there are a ton of X1 creatures that are even that great, but I feel like cards like Dark Confidant are really going to to plummet in popularity and probably similar cards because 
the more popular Ren and Six gets, the more like. But that's true of like any answer card, right? Like Lightning Bolt being ubiquitous makes it so sure. That X4 I mean, Fatal Push totally warped the metagame right. away from Infect and decks like that because it was like how many more decks are now getting access to a one mana removal spell Correct. and how many decks that were playing one mana removal spells now gets to play six to eight instead of four. One other thing that I like is like you're saying about it being a versatile main deck, like so many of the sideboard cards that are relevant in modern are artifacts. And so the fact that if you get Oko down on turn two or three, then now your opponent can't profitably Karn lock you with Mycosynth Lattice. Because right. unless they could kill Oko, you can just turn the Lattice into a 3-3 when you get your turn back. Yeah. The biggest um, answer with the biggest answer with Oko is... Or you is, can get through Ensnaring Bridge if you're playing an Oko BD deck. Mm-hmm. You know? I guess the two biggest two biggest problems with Oko, the first one is Blue-Green. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast. Historically, Blue-Green has had problems getting footing. Now that's less true. We have the Snake. We have other things that are making it a more profitable color uh, combo. The other issue, which is more relevant, I think, is how is it proactive enough, right? Like, you know, the, it's if you played Oko and your opponent just ignores it, You've wasted three mana on a thing that really isn't doing a whole lot and is working really hard just to do a little. Um, so I, I think it's just on the line. I don't think it's like, this is a modern staple. We're going to see the seeing play tomorrow. Um, but I do think, and I want to get into food in general uh, after this, um, but I do think that it definitely has potential. It's like has a lot of things that are working for it. It's a really hard to deal with three mana Planeswalker that does have relevance. It does have a lot of things that it answers and it shores up bad matchups for decks against aggressive decks that it could be relevant um i think just a three mana planeswalker is pretty much always going to be worth talking about in modern unless it's like some of the bad uncommon war of the spark planeswalkers and even some of those are sprightly you know you see dovin every once in a while around and Uh, i will say that i knew that oko dealt with batter skull and i forgot how it was it pluses to get rid of batter skull yeah yeah you turn the batter skull into a three three with no abilities and they can't return it to their hand it's just stuck it comes unattached from the germ the germ dies Yep, it's just a 3-3 Alec that they now have that doesn't have lifelink and you can deal yeah. with in infinite ways. So that, I, I actually, I think just that alone makes Oko, just the ability to basically kill equipment by making them into 3-3 dudes. Yeah, I mean, you just have to manage relevant. the 3-3s, right? Because if you just play Oko, you plus, turn something into a 3-3, they hit Oko down to two. He now, like, isn't going to do that much. He's just going to, like, make a food. Oh, no, I died. Like... You need to you need to well, defend them a little bit, like many planeswalkers. Skull or an equipment, I think, because you're not killing it. You're it. giving them a three three. I mean, if they're sure. pressuring your life total at this point, you spent three mana to turn their four four into a three three, and then you take three damage. Like, <laughs> right? But if Oko's staying alive, then you gain food. If not, he's also fogging that three. Yeah, damage yeah, yeah. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I think Oko's good, but I wouldn't say that it's just plus one destroy target creature artifact, right? Like, sure, there's a big cool downside. Yeah, and there's a reason why Beast Within has not been like. I think much this, more played outside of weird decks like Living Under. And I, I think this is a almost a strict upgrade to Beast Within in the decks that can play it. Not a strict upgrade. That's not totally true because it can't kill land and other things, I guess. But it is a. It does a lot more than Beast Within does generally because it can make your own thing into a threat multiple times. Because you can. I agree other that it is often better than Beast Within. Not killing enchantments and not killing lands, I think, is, is, a, is, a, is, is rough. A but yeah, sure. Um, all right. So on to food. There's Goose. That's the other big food card, really, so far. Yep, it is uh, a one mana zero two that when it enters the battlefield, zero two flying for one green. When it enters the battlefield, you get a food. You can, I should just read the card because I have it right here. Forget. One green mana zero two bird, Gilded Goose flying. When Gilded Goose enters the battlefield, create a food token. We've already talked about that. You may tap it and pay one and a green to create a second food token. 
or any amount of food, you know, can tap it. So you can just keep making food tokens. Uh, or you can tap it and sacrifice a food to add one mana of any color. So for one mana, you get a one-turn Bird of Paradise. That's where it kind of starts. Uh, you can then, if you can have other ways to make food, for instance, if you spend that food and tap it to play Oko on turn two, you now have just Birds of Paradise and Oko hanging out, gaining loyalty. Uh, or you can tap it to make food later if you need a mana fix or you just have extra mana you want to basically save for turns later. Um, or, and I'm assuming we will see more of them, there are other cards that make food that then the bird can take advantage of. There can be a food tribal deck, um, which I'm excited to play on Arena at least. Yeah, I think that to me sounds like a good standard or brawl deck. I feel like with the existence of Birds of Paradise and this being like a pretty obviously worse Birds of Paradise, mm -hmm. it's not really going to make it in modern, especially because not only do we have access to Birds of Paradise in modern, we also have Noble Hierarch and Elvish Mystic and Lanor. We have so many one-mana dorks that are more consistent. I think I think the main two features of it that... Actually, just the main feature of it that would make it worth it is if there is a enough pushed food to have modern care about it as a thing that you're trying to do. And sure. then I don't, and, and that because you can use it to make food, right? I like, mean, that's the thing. So, so yes, this card is a better top deck than Birds of Paradise because later in the game, you have five mana or so, you top deck a Birds of Paradise. It's basically like top decking a land. You just play it, it doesn't do anything. Maybe it's going to chump block, you know, this, you don't need the mana anymore. stabilizing by gaining you life. But this guy, yeah, this comes in with a food token. It can then make more food tokens if you're floated out and maybe like gain you a little bit of life until you can, you know, draw a collected company or whatever and get back in the game. And I think it's also relevant that we were just talking about Ren and Six, and so it having two toughness is relevant if if food becomes a relevant mechanic, if there's enough food. Like, a lot of people are speculating that food is going to be sort of like a fixed energy, because obviously there are other cards that aren't necessarily modern staples, but there are other cards that use food to do something other than gain you life. So if there is enough food to make a food deck possibly relevant and modern, it's not irrelevant to have a one-mana mana dork that can't be sniped by Ren and Six if you're on the draw. And I also think that's, that's just relevant in general. Having a, a Birds of Paradise... If you really just need in those early turns to be able to get stuff on turn three, having a Birds of Paradise that Ren and Six can't kill is not irrelevant. I do think a 0-2 toughness creature is something to be paying attention to. Added to the fact that it has that late game stabilization. And it does still have flying, so you can play it in the deck with your Stoneforge Mystic and put a sword on it or a Batter's Skull or whatever, or you can pump it with Gavany Township, or you can attack right, right. when you have a Noble Hierarch out and get three blockers. I mean, it does an okay bird imp Birds of Paradise impression. I just think that like Birds of Paradise is at its best when you like play it on turn one, you tap it for mana on turn two, you tap it for mana on turn three, you tap it for mana on turn four, and then it's basically blank at that point, but hopefully it's generated enough mana that you're way mm -hmm. ahead. And this card doesn't do that it does sure. something that i think is much worse sure but i do think that what it does is not strictly worse than birds obviously like i said it's a better top deck it dies to less stuff because of the extra toughness um sometimes well, cause, cause, and and yes the best situation is when birds does something turn one turn two turn three but there are a lot of situations where it does something turn one you play it on turn one you get something on turn three and then it's relevant from that point is mostly just a tap to be able to play uh Convoke tutor name is quarter calling, right? Like, and this bird can tap for quarter calling just as well as the birds of paradise. So, I guess I just think that, like, especially in general in modern, but also especially with the London Mulligan, you are like kind of building your deck to enable nut draws because, like, the format can be pretty fast. And if you, a lot of the time with these, like, but this does birds of paradise the nut decks draw side, here, right? 
Like you still get your turn three amazing. I have three mana, but yes, I, I turn agree. Turn two, that, get three mana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so otherwise, food. I mean, we don't have a ton of cards previewed yet, so I don't want to get too into it. Obviously, by the time this episode comes out tomorrow and then Saturday, if you're watching the video, uh, there's going to be more. And so, if there's dope food tribal in the horizon, I do think though between this and Oko. I can imagine us seeing food tokens. I'm excited to play with food tokens. We'll, we'll probably talk more about food before the before the set comes out, right. I'm sure. There's enough food cards already spoiled that like food is doing interesting things. So it's got an it's got an interesting floor so far, and so it has an exciting potential ceiling. Correct. Depending on what they print. Um and, and it's kind of been true of all these artifact cl- token mechanics, right? Like Treasures was really exciting, hasn't seen a ton of play in water, but some ha- has seen some play. Uh, same as clue tokens, right? Both of them had these like really cool, interesting ways to play with them. And I think every time they come out with it, they're learning that players like them so they can lean into it a little bit more as a play mechanic. Um, then the other main mechanic I want to talk about today, but we have other stuff to talk about past that, is the adventure card type, which is uh, they are creatures. Um, they have a Regular converted mana cost, power and toughness, and ability, a text. But in the bottom left-hand corner, there's a little bit extra window that has a different name, a different converted mana cost, or co- mana cost in general. It is a sorcery, and I'm assuming there will be instant ones. There, there are, are instant ones. We've okay. seen some instants. Uh, an instant, uh, sorcery and instant, and then it's a sorcery instant type adventure, and then it's another ability. Now, how does that work? Yeah, so so these creatures, you can play them from your hand as a creature. They just do their thing. So, for example, I'm looking at Animating Fairy, which is a 2 and a blue for a 2-2 two, two flying. You may play it for 2 and a blue as a 2-2 two, two flying if you want from your hand. Easy, done. If you would like to send it on an adventure, you can p- play the Sorcery Adventure Bring to Life, which also costs 2 and a blue. Uh, it... Target non-creature artifact you control becomes a zero-zero artifact creature. Put four plus one plus one counters on it. So you would cast that sorcery, and then as it resolves, and it has to resolve, so if your opponent counters it, no right dice. to the graveyard. Yep. Uh, but if it resolves, then you exile animating fairy, and you can now cast it as a two and a blue two-two flying, for example. Now, Mike, while it's on the stack, if I'm casting bring to life. Is it a sorcery on the state? Can it be negated or is it a creature? It is a sorcery. You can negate it and it will be countered because it is not a creature. So in, in many ways, this is a way to do creature split cards, right? It's a little bit more closer to kicker in many ways, but you have the choice of either playing this creature as is or playing the kicker version that lets you kind of exile it, draw the creature card and be able to play that later. And there are some creatures that it looks a little bit more like kicker because they have a very cheap adventure or a very cheap converted mana cost. So for example, um, Love Struck Beast, Beast is for one green mana, you can make a 1-1 one, one white human creature. Uh, we'll be referring to her as Bell for the rest of time. Uh, put that in play. He then gets exiled. And then for three mana, two and a green, you can play a 5-5. Five, five, um, that cannot attack unless you are also control a 1-1. One, one, right. Always known as Bell. So this guy often is just going to be played as a four mana, 1-1, one, one, and a 5-5. Five, five. And and then I was thinking, actually, when I said it, was of Embereth Shieldbreaker, which is one red sorcery destroy target artifact and then it's a two mana two one so a lot of the time you're just gonna wait until they play an artifact that you want to destroy then you pay three mana you blow it up you get a two one but the fact that it gives you flexibility you can spend your mana on something else and then pay one mana to blow up their artifact and you basically draw a two one i mean there's there's some cute stuff for adventure it's a lot of it's a lot of in reality it's 
a bunch of cards that say cantrip draw this creature, right? Like that's kind of ends up being what it is, where if you would be playing that effect, if it said draw a card and that card is guaranteed not going to be a relevant creature of some type, then that card becomes really playable. And this is kind of going back to what we were talking about before, right? Where Wizards is working to create effects that are pseudo sideboard cards that you can play in your main deck. The artifact one you mentioned is is a great example where, and this is more limited and standard, but Mono Red would play a 2-1 for 2 that sometimes you just has destroy target artifact attached. Mm, maybe. There'd have to be some relevant artifacts to want to play that main deck. But it's a little bit more main deckable. Sure. And, and, you know, I, I think it's interesting because some of these are actually more like a bonus. Like, there's a there's a 1-1 one, one death touch for 1, which is like a good limited card. But it has... Uh, three mana instant adventure profane insight you draw a card and lose one life uh, so it's like it's like a one mana one one death touch which is already playable and that's probably you're going to play it most of the time but if you got some extra mana you can draw a card well in, in reality it's almost three mana draw two cards lose one life because for three mana you draw a card you then draw this card into the exile zone and then you now one of the cards you drew is just a one one death touch for one which has been playable in every limited format i've ever played and uh, it's relevantly a zombie and a knight yes so it has two relevant creature types as well the, and we are i believe confirmed that knight's tribal is a theme of this set we're super confirmed uh super confirmed There's yeah so they released foul meyer knight is so they, they have Brawl Precondex, which I think we mentioned previously at the uh, Comic-Con announcements when they first announced they were doing these. Uh, but the Brawl Precons are up on Arena right now until September 9th. So uh, today, with this big announcement, they put the Brawl Deck Precons on Arena, and you can play Brawl on Arena right now, yeah. which is cool. So you're playing with these Precons, and that's where a lot of these spoilers have come from. One of them is a Knight Tribal deck. And there actually is one card that I think is going to be interesting, at least for casual modern, out of the Knight Tribal deck, and I'm trying to find it. It's the big artifact. Do you know what I'm talking about? Is it the Circle of Loyalty? Circle of Loyalty, yes. The Circle of Loyalty is a six mana legendary artifact, which importantly costs one less to cast for each knight you control. Because if it was just six mana, I think it'd be terrible. Uh, creatures you control get plus one plus one. So it's an anthem for everyone, not just knights. Uh, whenever you cast a legendary spell, create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance, and you can pay four mana and tap it to create a 2-2 white knight creature token with vigilance. So it does a lot. The fact that it gives you a discount means that you can go like turn one knight, turn two knight, turn three knight, and then you can play this on turn four for three. Um, or if one of your knights died for four. Or if you have a card that makes two knight tokens for somewhere right. around three mana, that's but what, an enchantment that... Uh, History of Benalia? Maybe... Yeah, gives them plus two, plus one on the third turn. <laughs> that is also true. <laughs> this card's very good with History of Benalia. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that like Knight Tribal has never quite made it in modern, but I know that because Knight Exemplar is very powerful and History of Benalia is very powerful, there are like incentives to go there. There's also a one drop Knight in this set that is like, if you are playing Knight Tribal, I think is like a must include. It's a one mana. Yeah, it's a one mana two one. When it dies, you put a plus one plus one counter on target knight you control. And like one mana two one is always like, well, in my aggro deck, maybe I'll play it. The fact that this one has upside and irrelevant creature type, I think, gives it enough of a push to like, you know, 
play it with your knight exemplar and your history banalia. You got two, plenty of good two mana knights and three mana knights. And then this card is kind of the card that goes over the top. Now, I will say, I think it gets a lot worse if you don't have a lot of legendary creatures. But I'm hoping that over the course of the spoiler season, we'll see some legendary knights. That's what you want, right? You want some like well, knights of the round table caliber knights. And, 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 and in modern, there are quite a bit of one mana. Like, I don't know if this sees play in this deck, but there's Dauntless Bodyguard is a, like, yeah. is a card that is a knight. If you're playing a knight tribal deck in modern, I think you're playing um, it. I N- think knight of the Wayfair. I think... Uh, I think Knight of the White Orchid is a good two-mana knight. Knight of the White Orchid, yeah. But uh, one thing that's also notable that was spoiled is there uh, there is a Merfolk Mistbinder for knights. Oh, that's right. Red and a white for Inspiring Veteran, which is a human knight, 2-2. Other knights you control get plus one, plus one. And Merfolk Mistbinder sees play in the fish decks. So I would imagine if the knight deck... And the knight deck also got a tri-land that enters the battlefield untapped that is also relevant. Right, and so they have their own tri-land for Mardu Colors. You also can do the Cavern of Souls, Ancient Ziggurat, Unknown Shores, not Unknown Shores. Unclaimed Territory. Unclaimed Territory. I'm supposed to be the one who knows card names. And uh, Ah, That's why you guys have a producer, right? And you can play, you know, a bunch of these multicolor dual lands to play a three-color tribal deck if it's worth it. I think that, you know, depending on what we see, you might be able to get away with just black-white. Whoa. That is also a knight that is green. So if you're playing these, you know, multi-lands, you can cast it. You can't cast it off the knight tri-land. But people listening can't hear this, but I'm holding up our giant cutout of Knight of Autumn. And also, uh, <laughs> Knight of the Reliquary. If you're also if you're if you're in yeah. the green in dem green knights. I think it's really easy to get choked on threes in a knight deck. Uh, so you True. would have to decide which threes you want to play. And I think Knight of Autumn in particular probably goes in the sideboard, but. I mean, but they're all relevant knights, right? And I and, yes. and I think yes, you could say you get choked on colors. I'll, you do de- definitely get choked on three mana. There's a lot of three mana cards that you want to play the knights. But I think you just described a five color mana base with the even totally. with that being a tri land. So I think there's definitely an argument for there's a lot of powerful knights, and there's now going to be a push set that doesn't. And that's like spirits just needed Innistrad, and then it went from be or shadows over Innistrad. It went from being a not playable tribe to a playable tribe. So yeah, if there's enough incentives, and they got a two mana lord since Supreme Phantom, I right. think that's when they really took off is when Supreme Phantom got. So printed. yeah, as long as you're playing red and white, so theoretically there could be this Mardu colored knight deck, or if there's enough spice in green and less in black, then we could see a Naya colored, or like you said, because we have the Ziggurat and the Unclaimed yeah. territory. It could just be a five color best of, best of the best. Right. And the, there's there's definitely different directions to go. So that's exciting. Um. By the way, Seb McKinnon's art just is always the best. <laughs> yeah, it's really well suited to this set too. Uh. So oh, Order of Midnight is one of the is also a human knight two mana two two. You can uh use the after fate. It has flying and can't block. It has flying and can't block. It's a two mana two two human knight. Uh. With amazing artwork, flying on a raven, and you may uh have it go on an adventure for one in a black to return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Sorry, I just really wanted to talk about how cool this art is because it's really good. Well, but it's yeah, also we'll it it's it's, it's also nice that it's a uh, it's a it's a flying grave digger mm-hmm. in in this creature type, uh, a grave digger that you can amortize over two turns, which is Right, and I think bad. a lot of the time you I mean in a, in a night deck in standard or limited, which is where I kind of expect this to get played to be honest, but um you know, it's going to be you're sometimes just going to want a 2-2 flying for two. Yeah. which is good enough. It's, you know? That's a pretty aggressive... And then the fact that it does more than that and draws a card later in the game is pretty relevant. And and the other Adventure Knight, I think, is is not irrelevant either. Smitten's Swordmaster costs a black and one. 
It's a 2-1 with lifelink, so not that bad. And then, But its adventure is one black, curry favor, sorcery. You gain X life and each opponent loses X life where X is the number of knights you control. Yeah, I was watching uh, a few different streamers play with the Brawl decks and they had Knight of the Ebon Legion out and they used that card when they couldn't get through in combat to deal the three to them so that Knight of the Ebon Legion got a counter on their end step and then the counter allowed them to punch through the next turn because they just needed to be one power bigger. So, so adamant is a key verb... Uh, like the keywords before it, so it's not actually a keyword. But adamant it means a spell has additional effects if three or more color mana of the same color was spent to cast it. Yeah, it's not always on creatures. So for example, there's killing fire for two and a red. It's an instant deal three damage to any target. If you paid three or more red mana to cast this spell, it deals four damage to that target instead. I will say that mana is good enough in modern that like you can be playing a two or even three color deck and easily get these adamant things. So I think it's something to keep an eye on. Uh, I don't think we've seen anything yet that really makes sense for modern. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's potential there because the mana bases are so good. These are cards that are probably going to be pushed because they expect there to be a big deck building restraint on it constraint on it but in modern you were casting cryptic commands so it's not really a constraint for us at all <laughs> yeah I, I think if that's really what you need to accomplish you can just like it, it does have some restraints for instance if you want to play like kiki jiki in a blue white control or a blue white red contr- like control deck that goes infinite with resto angel you have to warp your mana base to accomplish totally it. But, but there's also filter lands that help you accomplish it there's ways to do it what i mean it. is like Yes, you will have to warp your mana base, and it will be worse than a typical Jeskai deck with no Kiki-Jiki in it or no Adamant cards, mm-hmm. but like it does, it's not going to be that much worse. It's going to be playable. If there's, if there's a card that is good enough, then you, we can make it work. There isn't one yet. They're all just kind of like medium creatures that come in with a plus and plus one counter or this burn spell that's like a three mana, three damage, or a three mana, four damage. Doesn't quite cut it in modern. No, no flame javelin getting played, so... But you know, we'll see if if there's a if there's a pushed enough adamant card. I think it's definitely something that's castable in modern in a lot of decks, and so we'll see where it goes. Yeah, and I think we have we have a lot of time to be able to see what that card totally. looks like. So I, that does bring us to the next kind of part of the episode I want to talk about, which was the other sets that were previewed mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of the year. Before we get into that, I do want to say make sure to follow us on Patreon. Uh, once again, you could be the 69th person. It would be very nice of you to do that. Nice. Uh, and, <laughs> and also our sister podcast. Our sister podcast, The Command Zone. Uh, Jimmy and Josh do commander content every week. Uh, they have game nights. They do awesome content. Um, they consulted on these Brawl decks. They consulted on these Brawl decks. And so you should definitely go check them out. They are, are awesome. Their show is really great. Yep. Can I give a quick shout out? Marshall has a shout out. So last, <laughs> so I was not here last week when you guys got to talk about the bannings and unbannings, which is super exciting. I haven't even gotten to listen to the episode, so I'm excited to hear what you guys think about Faithless Looting being banned. But uh, I was gone to Burning Man, and as I had mentioned on the previous podcast, I participated in a Conspiracy 1 draft out at the Enchanted Booty Forest, and we had a couple of people come by fans of the show who had heard about it. Oh, really? And specifically came out asking, like, hey, is Marshall here? Oh, awesome. So shout, shout out, out to Jackson. Burner. Jackson was the the only one whose name I remember, but Jackson came out and played some games with us, and he was a pretty cool dude. So thank you, Jackson, for coming out and drafting. Yeah. And making me feel like I'm somehow important to nice. magic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Any last any last things so far on the last set? I do no, say I color think, artifacts is cool. I like, think you were leading into, into Theros pretty well. I think we should move on to Theros. Cool. Theros. So one thing about Adamant, a mechanic that I learned about while we were recording this episode, because <laughs> <laughs> every card that has it is in Japanese. <laughs> um, uh, 
is really a big plant for the fact that the next set we're going to is Theros. And if you guys don't know this, the mechanic Devotion is probably one of the three main featured pieces of Theros. Um, the other ones being... Constellation? Con- well, no, I would say because Constellation was only a journey to the next. I think Constellation comes back. I'm hoping. Right. That I was assume, my favorite. I assume we're going to get Constellation and Devotion probably. My, it, Constellation and Devotion are my like high picks. I have like Monstrous around there. I could see it not coming back until the next set because we're going to a monster theme set, which we'll talk about in a second. Heroic. But I like hate... I just... Heroic could come back. I hate it. I hate the mechanic. And they I, have so I mean, many to pieces. me, Heroic defines... Theros more than anything else except maybe enchantment creatures. No, devotion. Devotion, like both from a competitive play. Well, I'm I mean, just like, saying for me. Sure. For me, I think enchantment creatures, heroic, and then devotion. Yeah. Personally. Well, for sure there'll be enchantment creatures. I think I think there's no chance that there's not an enchantment creature. If it might not, not be bestow, because they kind of like tone down bestow in favor of constellation at the end of the block anyway, so they might continue on that path. But. And I think constellation bestow had a a reaction the reaction to bestow mechanic, which was basically you could play creatures that you had as aura creature auras instead of enchantments, um, was a very difficult to kind of grok mechanic in and general. They sort of, and they sort of tapped it out. Like yeah, pretty much not... every keyword mechanic got a bestow creature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even non-keyworded mechanics like the Ophidian ability and like you know. The only the only thing that I wish there was is that I wish Cromanticore was a legendary creature, but otherwise yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I think the world thinks that Cromanticore should have been a legendary creature. And if someone walked up to me with a Cromanticore commander deck and was like here i'm gonna i'm gonna play with this as my commander i'd be like okay you do you buddy yeah so so uh so theros devotion i think is the most modern playable mechanic though uh heroic is just not very good you have to target your own creatures with spells which usually sucks uh enchantment creatures are don't really make it i mean like idolon of rhetoric i guess is playable but not because it's an enchantment just because it is idolon of the great rebel is the oh idolon of the great rebel but but even then like that could have just been a creature that wasn't an enchantment sure yeah yeah. the enchantment feature on enchantment it's a creature that you can disenchant (laughs) but but on the other hand that could start to mean anything and and there are ones that are interesting there's the constellation uh green enchantment that like gives plus x plus x equal to how many uh creatures are in your graveyard if an enchantment comes into play that like in standard i had a pretty powerful deck and it's inexpensive does the thing when it enters play because that's how constellation works there's the one that draws you cards there's doom wake giant i think there's a lot to play in that space like this is another thing like i mentioned spirits where like you just need enough sets to come out that are modern in modern that enchantment focus sure those enchantment creatures a from back in the day to be relevant but for them to be relevant moving forward But what i'm saying is i think that at a base level devotion is the most exciting for a modern player because it's the mechanic that has currently made the biggest impact on modern from theros it's it's also a relevant plant in this set that um there is a sub theme that's shown in the esper brawl deck of keying off when artifacts and enchantments yeah there's this idea that there are some people who are like mystics who are making artifacts and enchantments or maybe they're warlocks (laughs) but i'm not like the calling out i do not like the creature keywords no i like less creature types the more you dilute the creature type base the the besides magic already has plenty of warlocks and they're all either shamans or wizards and now they're going to invent a new creature type and now it's like what are going to happen all those old warlocks all right so warlocks are in the game the warlock people are happy warlocks who are not happy warlocks are in the game if you want to know why we're not happy you should listen you should become a patron because i've just cut out all of the stuff it's, so I'm, I'm go listen to, to the <laughs> go listen to the raw 
extended version of this episode where me and Michael Grothy voice our concern about the warlock creature type, but you have to sign up for Patreon. Go be our 69th patron. That's true. Uh, Witcher's, Witcher's Cottage, also just like the video. There's a like button. Press it. Really appreciate it. Cool. Ooh, we're we're like talking Witches about future Cottage. sets, and then we got so into we an hour-long We're talking about Theros. So Theros, <laughs> Devotion's dope. Really excited. Uh, was problematic in standard. I think maybe they've learned maybe how to fix it. There are a lot of modern-based mechanic that are kind of close. Like, Grey Merchant has tried to see play. Mono Green Devotion is a deck that, like, every first person who plays modern plays. Um, Nykthos is a popular uh, modern card. Yeah, but you can in these green decks and big green spells like I've seen also like white devotion with Nykthos or black devotion with Nykthos. Like there, Nykthos is is flexible enough mm-hmm. that it it's it sees some play. It's cool cool card. And and Theros and Ravnica could get along really well because hybrid and is a mechanic that they take advantage of. And then we've already gotten hybrid cards in previewed in the most re- in. Excuse me, Eldraine. There's already two. Right, there's, there's two quad hybrid cards, which was not even something that was in Ravnica. Ravnica had triple hybrid cards, like Night Vale Spectre was the big one that mm-hmm. got played in Standard. But this has a Arcanist Owl, which is a bird artifact creature for blue-white times four, uh, and Fireborn Knight, which is a human knight times four. We don't have to talk about them. Both of them are relatively just medium draft. Card, yeah, but I don't, they're cards that, like... Well, I think they could get played in Standard, potentially, in yeah. a Devotion deck. But, you know, all these cards are moving in the direction of pushing Devotion and... I think many of them are meant for standard, but given that we haven't seen the rest of the set or a single devotion card, uh, I think devotion has potential. Yeah, I think based on what we've seen as well, that the chances that something along the lines of like there's a lot of weird cards in standard right now with heroic, right? Like without having seen the set itself, like like, two, I think there's four. I thought maybe there's two. But Maybe there's two that aren't playable. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, like a 24 drop. <laughs> oh, no, right. you're right. You're right. There's three because there's the enchantment that's like whenever you target your creature and there's Gargos whenever you... So yeah. there's four. Um, so they're, like, they've like kind of been hinting stuff on the edges. So it either feels to me that they're not going to include it and they're just... Like they'll include it through spirit, right? The way that like Tyler Trekker has landfall. That's not a land... That it doesn't have the keyword but they, ability. But they it, made it do that because they put it into a format that had landfall in it in the same way that they might print heroic analogs correct. because they're going they're to do heroic, heroic right. and they're going to want you to play these cards with the heroic cards. Yeah, so it, it's possible to go either direction. Um, beyond that, I mean, Devotion and Constellation are the two that I really hope to be there. Enchantment Creatures were for sure going to be there. The reason I do think Constellation is a little bit more likely from a flavor perspective is that the set is about going to the underworld, and Constellation was a feature of, like, the land of gods, or the places that more godly things When you exist. journeyed into Nyx right. is when you saw yes, Constellation. Yes, exactly. Uh, so it's very possible here. Elsbeth is coming back uh, excited. Uh, next set that was previewed was the monster-themed one that we don't know too much about, and I'm even forgetting what it's called. Ikora, which, which sounds like is Kiora, who it's called Ikora, like land of behemoths, which is interesting since we have Kiora Behemoth Beckender. Maybe but that's we know she's too from, similar, though. She's from Zendikar. She's from Zendikar. She was born on Zendikar. So there's I, been some speculation that perhaps this world. I mean, certainly using the word behemoth and a name that sounds a little bit like her name. That this is definitely a place she's been, or will go and to, probably will be. We'll probably get a new Kiora card. And perhaps this is a world where she visited early on and is now revered as a god or something, and they decide to name their world after her. Uh, she's not immortal. She's like a teenager, or not a teen. She's like a teenager compared to Soren, but she's like a regular. She's like regular aged. <laughs> regular aged. <laughs> she's not. We like got a new term here Soren on Masters of Modern. Liliana, who like at one point, I think she's supposed god. to be relatively young 
based on her personality, I think she's probably supposed to be like in her twenties. Yeah, yeah. I, when I say teenage, in, in merfolk years, disclaimer: I don't know how long Zendikar <laughs> merfolk live. Maybe in your twenties in merfolk years is like she's fifty-five, but I'm pretty sure that she's in her twenties. I don't. It's I don't. Yeah. Ecoria, layer of behemoths. Yeah. It, so but, the things we do know is that it is. Uh, Mara said this on the stream. It's a kind of a make your own monster theme. Yeah, set. you'll be so able there's... to build your own monsters. And he said that that will be a cool mechanic. And, I and do he said think... it's a new mechanic. It is not a rift on host and augment. It could people still be a asked. riff on. Oh, people did ask, and people he said asked no? on his uh, Tumblr, and he said it's a wholly new mechanic, and is not. It's uh, not not a riff on host and augment. What about meld? No one did. No one asked specifically. Okay, so so it could be meld takes on meld set up first Mara hasn't answered yet probably gonna I love say meld. no to that later meld sweet i love meld uh but yeah. the the other thing about it is that it is something that plays well with monsters that could be on theros like one big theme of theros was monsters are around going into the next set being like giant monsters there's also some size matters cards from ravnica block um specifically kiora is one that's coming to mind at first um so that i think all plays into that i'm excited it's gonna be cool there's also gonna be monsters on eldraine i don't know how you tribalize monsters other than size matters yeah i think size matters is the only real way to do it yeah he so, says here on blogatog ikoria layer behemoth it's a monster world and you're going to get a chance to play with and build your own monsters using the most ambitious mechanic we've made in years he likes to make statements like that but augment and meld combined it's meld cards, but half of them are one half and half of them are the other half, and you have to flip them together. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> knowing basically nothing about Ikoria, these is pretty basic, baseless speculation, but the set after Ikoria is uh, Zendikar Rising, Incorrect. which we do know about that. Oh, it's Magic, Corset. Magic 2021. Which is going to be a Corset. You pretty much know what to expect. Teferi is the headliner. Tazerit. No, Teferi. it's Teferi. It's Teferi. It's oh, Teferi. I've been so wrong, so long. Yeah, you're really yeah. wrong. It's I Teferi. Thought it was Tezzeret. It's Teferi. No, it's, it's Teferi. I don't know and if that's more or less exciting. <laughs> it's Teferi, and I personally, they, in Mark Rosewater had his State of Design 2019 article, which I've always found his State of Design articles to be really Wait, interesting. When did it come out? Uh, two weeks ago. Oh. So cool. his so for anyone who doesn't, it's on the it's on the main Magic website, and he basically just does a review of how he thinks design went for the previous year. There's like and, mistakes and strengths, and goes through each thing. And in it's general, he's one of the better articles he writes every yeah, year. Yeah, and so in general, he was he was pretty positive on this past year, and I, I agree. I think this last year was really great for Magic. Um, and uh, uh, and one thing that I thought that was interesting that he talked about was uh, regarding Corset 2020 that one of the strengths they liked about it is that it was a much more robust limited environment than corsets traditionally have been that it played up a lot of mechanics like some a little bit of tribal a lot of like last minute callbacks to dinosaurs and vampires so they had a last last hurrah in the sun um and so they he said they'll definitely carry that forward going forward but that there was a little bit less of a unifying theme and that people were expecting a bit more of a unifying theme, which he's like, well, it's kind of hard to do with a corset, but maybe going forward, you know, the nickel bolus theme of the previous corset had been a big thing. This one had a very slight Chandra theme. She had three cards. Then there was a rare that referenced her and there were like a couple of commons, right? There was like Chandra's outrage and Chandra's ember cat or something. Yeah. Is that more than, Fluctuate. is that less than bolus got? Yeah. The I, rare, the well, but, you know, like bolus had his like cycle of rares that uh, patient rebuilding apex of power and stuff. And then he had like his brothers and sisters got new That's cards true, and yeah. stuff. 
So, my so they could have done more like stuff on Kaladesh. They could have like, you know, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'd be interested if this Teferi set, if it's a like Nicobolus, because Teferi is a really interesting character if you've been playing Magic for a long time. But if you haven't, you maybe don't know Teferi's importance to the greater Magic storyline. Oh, that's the whole true. I mean, if they... Phasing out Jamura and... Yeah, there's there's so much more... Pl- I mean, part of the issue with Chandra also, she's very color-centric, though they could have had a Pia and Kieran call back or reprinted it or had... You know, there's definitely things you could have done a little I mean, bit I mean, they more. could even have, like, a different Baral card or something. Right, just, like, right. relevant characters from her life. And... and they could have done a Jaya scary. Ballard as Mother Luti or something, mm-hmm. given her a legendary creature. Yeah. And, yeah, going back to just looking at... Teferi's life, there's a lot more because he's there's been a character more. since 1996. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I'd be really excited if it's a like Nicobolus, a survey of Teferi's life that we could see him as a legendary creature and also as a planeswalker, and maybe see a bit more callbacks to the his his play in the invasion storyline in Teleria, where he was a student with you know with Karn and Ugin and Yora and yeah. And- I will I will say though, and this is I guess something about Chandra and then it's something I missed with the new Garrick card that was previewed. I'm really excited about just like planeswalkers that play more in the space of planeswalker tribal. Like the fact that Garrick has the cool, he makes two wolves and then if they die, all Garricks get a loyalty counter. And then, excuse me, Chandra has the, you know, the plus of giving all red planeswalkers a loyalty counter. And then we had uh Sarkon has all planeswalkers become, dragons which is the dopest one i think of these three <laughs> no argument uh, here it's definitely a space i really like and i think red doing it makes the most sense to me uh garrick helping himself is fine but like red being the like we love each other and are supportive part of the i red mean i can see white great. doing that uh, johnny has had a few cards that puts a counter on all your planeswalkers too well, right white, white classically is the planeswalker tribal color right it's more that what would be the second best color at that and it's green or red that well it, i would assume it would be green but i'd actually like more that it's red because red just needs more stuff in its color pie and it makes sense from a flavor perspective of like love and caring and you know wanting to support each other um, yeah so that's that's core 2021 and then zendikar is the fall set next year so one year from now we will be seeing zendikar rising previews hashtag hedron bull hype i need Nahiri and soren to fight each other get ready if they you guys always have ever, fight each what other is not what get yeah but they have to finish that fight they fought once twice three times a lady <laughs> i mean one of them is uh so, so the first time they were friends that's the whole zendikar plot line second time they when they actually fight she gets mad at him because he wasn't helpful and then he locks her into the hell vault yeah which is the onus for the plot of unlocking that hell vault during industry block well yeah many Soren just like if he didn't like somebody he just locked him in the hell vault hell vault demon threatening humans that I need my family to eat put him in the hell vault yep, so easy. there were a bunch Puzzle of demons brands. in there there were a bunch of nasties and there was also Nahiri because yeah. he didn't like her and whoops Avacyn uh, they got Avacyn back that was the whole part of Avacyn restored uh, then Nahiri gets out when Avacyn is restored she then plots a bit uh, has Emrakul shows up fights Soren again locks him into a brick of stone that's fight number two Fight number three was, for some reason, they both show up at War of the Spark, and they're just like, screw this noise. Nickel Balls can do whatever. I'm going to mess you up specifically. And then... One of us is going to be rare. One of us is going to be rare, and one's going to be an <laughs> a co- uncommon. uncommon. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, but now, time for the final showdown. I, th- I feel like the, the main plot point that has to do with Zendikar, other than it being rebuilt, which is boring, is like Soren getting revenge for the fact that Nahiri dropped an Emrakul on his house. Um, and 
I mean, he dropped. You don't know the game. All game. three Eldrazi on her house. That's true. I mean, I understand her <laughs> revenge. I get, I'm on Team Nahiri side. Yeah, same. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, hashtag Stoneforge team. I guess I don't know. Come up with a good hashtag world uh but hashtag hedron bull them fighting if you don't know the clegane bull meme from game of thrones there's a video just imagine that but with soren and Nahiri instead of those two brothers yeah i mean so they've said that their biggest mistake with battle for zendikar was that it didn't really capture the heart of what zendikar is it was more an eldrazi set or eldrazi block and people were not as into that uh because people liked zendikar and they feel like they didn't see what they were expecting so they the- also they also did weird choices right like eldrazi was a very specific type of gameplay that was very beloved like that is a top 10 draft limited format for a lot of players though it is much more of an advanced player set the biggest issue more though is that they like went down the processor route and then they went down to like the weird third fifth you know sixth color was the color imbalance was the main problem with the with the sets um i would say like i thought processors were actually really fun to play with the problem is if you were in green or white your deck was probably terrible right and so the the entire format (laughs) was just was weird and like but but i think more like the you know the draft format being sucky is something that they can fix, right? All they had to do was make the green and white cards a little bit better and the draft format, it would have been a lot better. And you know, there are other slight things, but that's like tweaks. Like the, the overall thing was that it didn't feel like the set that was taking place on Zendikar. People missed kind of the like adventurers going on quests and kind of encountering traps and allies banding together to form like a, like an adventuring party. Like, you know, Zendikar was kind of the like D and D adventure set, right? right? Where like it had traps that you could spring on your opponent and it had allies which were supposed to represent like different people coming together in an adventuring party and helping each other out right. and interacting with each other which I actually think i think we're going to in the new set lean more into those D tropes more than anything yeah so that's what the, that's what they've have kind of hinted at by saying that that's what they really missed on battle for zendikar mm-hmm. block and so i think we're gonna see that in zendikar rising we're gonna see kind of a return to adventure world yeah i, I agree with that i think it, it's definitely gonna it's about be, it being rebuilt but it's gonna be about people kind of doing that cool D&D style game. Yeah, and I think that it will be Adventure World where there's Eldrazi, right? It's like you are adventuring in a dungeon and you're fighting, you know, off some vampires or whatever, but then there's also some Eldrazi spawn that you have to fight that are left over or whatever, right? Like... I think that that Eldrazi and Adventure World can certainly mesh. Um, It's just a question of, you know, how they're going to do it. Right. Well, and and I would say one of the reasons I think BFZ was so badly responded to is, A, the limited format was bad, but the thing that made the limited format fun at all, which was processing, was super parasitic. So then the construction version of those cards were also not good. Like, both ends of it. Like, for a set to be liked, you either need constructed to be fun off of it or limited to be fun off of it. If you get both... Black-white allies was also a fun archetype. It was, like, the only good white archetype. But uh, But didn't that didn't... I thought that only got good after Oath. Of the gatewatch. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. You had a Drana's something or other. It was like at the beginning of your upkeep. Oh, sure. You okay. drain them for one, and it's a 2 2 flying for three, which is like a great limited card on its own. But then you had like all this life gain synergy where it's like whenever you gain life, this gains death touch until in turn. Sure. Whenever you gain life, and this gets plus one. Plus one. Attacked or tapped, you gain life off of it, right? Or untapped. Or I don't know. 
That was from Oath of the Gatewatch. That's Oath of the Gatewatch. Cool. All right, there so was cool. also a similar black-white deck in Oath of the Gatewatch, but it had the, like, tap two allies you control right. to do the thing, right? Uh, but it was fun even in Battle for Zendikar. It was, like, the one good wire archetype. I would say that the two most fun decks were, like, the cool Eldrazi processor decks and the black-white deck, and everything else was kind of... Well, that, that was something also that I think I remember they did weird, is that they, like, took allies in a direction that was, like, oh, they're just generically good, but boring together, versus the first that were, like, you actually had to go down that game plan and have them synergize. Yeah, I think that that was something that they felt was too parasitic and they wanted allies to pump all of your creatures but still interact with each other a little bit. And I think they missed the mark, but only slightly. We'll see how they do it next time. And and, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And and I'm, I'm excited for that. And as well as Nahiri and Soren fighting each other. That I think that story thread is my favorite of the three main storylines that we've had in magic has been the like, like I think my favorite story is cons block, which is a part of that, which is then like Sarkon going back in time to save Ugin. And then like the early Eldrazi storylines, I just, the Eldr and even all the Innistrad stuff is great. So like kind of that world is the stuff I like the most. I'm really excited for new Phyrexia too. You're a big fan of, uh, Ugin, Soren and Nahiri and their branching intertwining yeah. storyline through the ages yeah i mean that branches a little bit into the regular storyline i'm getting so attached to nickel bolus now um yeah but that was kind of something that they i guess it started in cons but like we didn't know how attached they were at that sure. point I, I don't know i feel like that's something that's recent yeah. i don't know i mean maybe they had that plan in cons i'm not sure but yeah i mean in cons all we knew is that nickel Bolas killed ugin yeah and then then we find out literally like the year that they killed nickel or killed nickel bolus uh imprisoned spoilers, nickel bolus in prison uh we find out like in the corset right before that that they're brothers like in the story that is not even said really in the cards and then the, the ending moment is like them just like hanging out in the prison uh yeah i don't know moving on um, I, I am excited that much like how avengers endgame kind of closed the door on a chapter of the marvel universe and is like okay now we're gonna move on to featuring these other heroes and like a new avenger style buildup mm-hmm. i i appreciate that eldraine like we've got garuk which is cool because we haven't seen that dude in a minute since magic 20 uh 13 or yeah. something no, so, no 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 so it's been a, 2015 so it's been a while since we saw big angry garrick and he totally fits here like this idea of this cursed hunter archetype works great on a fantasy plane and uh, and then we have Oko, who's new and is uh, interesting and feels like in an interesting, different place than the other blue-green planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Will and Kenrith. And then Will and Rowan, who were specifically yeah. invented to show up in this set, but then seeded into Battle Bond as like a preview. Yeah, they were like, the Battle Bond team was like asking the creative team, like, hey, we need two planeswalkers that it would make sense for them to have partner. And the creative team was like, ah, we actually have twins that are in this other set. Do you want them? <laughs> right. right. And we already have confirmed from Mark Rosewater that Will and Rowan share a card in this set. And they share a spark. So they, yeah, they, between the I two of them, they have that. one spark. We don't know exactly the mechanics of that, although the book's out. Maybe it explains it. I'm not sure. But uh, that was one of the reasons they gave them partner because they are uh, intertwined in that way. Uh, and then also they share a card because they're intertwined in that way. So, uh, and, and apparently, and this is just from people reading it and their responses so far, Will Kenrith specifically is like dope. Yeah, I've heard really good things I about mean, the book. Yeah, I've heard really good I things I might so pick far. it up. I didn't pick up War of the Spark because I heard or medium things. things and I didn't want to struggle through it, but I, I heard good things about the book, so we'll see. I'll do another audiobook. Audiobooks make it easiest for me. Readings for nerds. Listen to stuff like podcasts. <laughs> hmm. <laughs>
<laughs> Marshall gave me a dark stare. Mm. Reading's great. I love reading. Everyone should read more. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but also listen to podcasts while driving. Because you can't yep. read while you're driving. Yep. Listen to podcasts. That's true. Podcasts yep. are good. It's not safe. It's not safe. Um, that's kind of all those previews, right? We didn't get anything else. Yeah. We were going to maybe talk about... Post more post band list modern, but there was too many announcements today to get there. So. Yeah, but literally because we had to delay the recording of the episode a day because Marshall was at Burning Man and holiday weekend and everything. Uh, we delayed just in time for Wizards to drop an entire set's worth of content. <laughs> more, more like yeah, tons of Eldraine stuff plus the next four sets plus Brawl yeah, plus yeah. yeah, like literally it's a big day. I'm big glad day. we recorded today. Yep, yep. same. Um, I have one piece of news that also came out today that I as an environmentalists i'm really excited about hasbro released a, a statement that they are planning on phasing out all plastic from their packaging by the end of 2022 and that includes poly bags shrink wrap and things like magic wrappers so i'm excited to see what they're going to do with it i personally think magic instead of doing the cardboard little cardboard boxes like they did for modern masters i think they could go back and do the sort of wax paper packs like that baseball card and stuff used to come in Sure. Uh, yeah, we'll exciting. see. We'll see what they do. I do think that with having three different types of booster pack, the varying sizes means they are thinking about booster pack design anyway. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, as, it, it can yeah. get to the point where like draft packs are literally just like a box that has the three pack segmented. Right. There's like definitely way if they're moving away from one pack services all audiences, then what that means can be totally different. Um, right. Yeah. And so that's really exciting because uh, every day thousands and thousands of magic packs are opened and those little foil packs can't be recycled. So every single pack of magic cards you've ever opened is out there somewhere still in the world. Yeah. Maybe in a fish's stomach. Think about that. <laughs> do we like fish? I do like eating. Uh, I like eating raw fish that isn't, but not like That's fish. a fish that you eat? That's true. But I can then see if there's a pack in there and not eat it. (laughs) It doesn't like, it's not like accidentally cooked in and I have to like eat it before I find the pack in there. I don't think that's how it works. I think the the microplastics you can't see. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. Point is, Hasbro is making a commitment to eliminate plastic from their packaging, and I think that's great. Good job, Hasbro. Yeah. All right. That's it for the episode. Make sure to follow us. I am at Kess Wiley, at uh, Dudard, D U D A R D D. At Marsh Unfocused. Uh, we are at the MM Cast. You can follow the third host, uh, Ben Bateman, at Ben Bateman uh, Media, at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, y- we have a Facebook group. You should check it out. We have all of the social media things you should check out. Two most important ones YouTube. If you're watching it right now, once again, hit subscribe, hit the bell button, hit the like button. Like button is actually more important than we thought. So double, triple up on that like button. And also make sure to check out our Patreon. The reason we're able to do video and have the cards in frame and the, you know, just the, everything that makes this podcast happen is because of our patrons. Thank you guys so much. Uh, actually, a thing that we're supposed to be doing and I am remembering to do, clicking on the patron button, going to shout you out. Where are you at? Where are you at, patrons? Adam Hartman, Adam Olson, Adrian Camilleri, Ahmed Stem, Erzuka. Gonna go through those ones. Thank you guys so much. Uh, and yeah, and and if you donate to the patron, you get access to the raw video feeds and episode feeds. So you get all of the weird stuff that we think isn't really supposed to be in the main episode. You like, get to hear a 30-minute discussion about who likes and does not like the warlock creature type. Yep, it's We get in-depth on humans, the problematicness of how they get printed. There's a whole 30-minute conversation exclusive to Patreon. So check that out, uh, patreon.com slash the Thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys 
uh, Monday for a preview card. Get hyped. Bye. Bye. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.